welcome to Trashy Trashy, where we take a dumpster dive on this week's garbage people and the trashiest news stories. My name is Erica, and I am your host. And my name is Cassandra Cardenas, and I am your other host. Cass, how are you this week? I'm so good. I know we just cleared out all of our burps before we got started. I do feel like another one is coming. So if it comes, you know, like, no, like, don't panic. But gosh, how am I doing? Well, let's see. This week was fucking terrible. So I don't know. How are you doing? (laughs) You know, highs and lows. Highs and lows. Of course. (laughs) That's a nice way to put it. (laughs) You are joining us on the second week of January. So, you know, (laughs) just for some context for the listeners of what what happened in the first week of January in 2021. Oh, right. Oh, that was that was not good. Why are you trash this week, girl? Well, I have a historical trash. Oh. On my 21st birthday, my cousin, who I love dearly, I was maid of honor in her wedding. She is the golden child and always like the person that I strive to be like when I was in high school and in college. How much older she is? How much older she is is what I just asked. (laughs) (laughs) She is one year older as she is. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) She's great. I can't express enough how just better she is at everything than I am or was. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so on my 21st birthday, I took 21 shots that night. Erica, you're that girl? I was that girl. That's got to be dangerous. I took a full glass of water between every shot, which in my mind... Made it okay? I want to vomit. No, my 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 ghost burp that didn't come up has now turned into vomit. Okay, go ahead. And my cousin documented the evening in photograph and then made me a booklet, oh, a shot no. book from that day. And I she put that. little slips of like what, you know, what shot somebody bought me, what drink it was, what number it was. And so I have a booklet that reminds me of the night I could have died. <laughs> Like, people do die that way, right? Yes. That is a (laughs) extremely dangerous thing to do. I started at 7 and I finished at like 1.30 in the morning. Did you get through all 21 shots? I I couldn't even say that without like feeling nauseous. I did. I ate at 2 o'clock in the morning. I had like a sub, a little wrap sub. And then (laughs) around four o'clock in the morning, I woke up and threw up everything in my guts. Sure. Yeah. And then at 630 in the morning, I woke up feeling like a million bucks. Ugh, to be young, to be young. Young. Are you able to still take shots? I can still do shots. Yeah. (sighs) Wow. I got, I got one in me. Yeah. Maybe. If, if I'm taking two I don't know. I really don't. I I just is. It's gotten harder and harder for me over the year. In fact, that's a nice segue into why I'm trash this week. If you're if you're curious, very curious why you're trash. It is also historical trash. My cousin, who I love very much. (laughs) This story involves a couple of my cousins. My cousin's house, which is now you know a family house where she lives with her husband and her son. But that house used to be a party house in a major way. Like, I have slept in every room of that house. I've thrown up in every bathroom and in lots of places in the backyard in that house. Like, it used to be a party house. So there was 
a party that was going on and there was some sort of disagreement between her and the people that she was allowing to live in the basement. There was this, uh, there was a girl who lived in the basement and she was being kind of a bitch because we were having a party, you know? I mean, she wasn't being a bitch, but like at the time we're like, fuck, she's being such a bitch. Like we're partying, like, fuck you. (laughs) You have a final in the morning. I can assure you that none of us were in college. (laughs) (laughs) We were all college age, but we were not going to college. And so she came upstairs at one point and she like made a quesadilla and she somehow broke the microwave plate. And... It could have just been as easy as, hey, sorry, I broke the microwave plate. And then everyone's like, oh, man, bummer. Replace that. Okay. And then that's the end. But it wasn't that simple. There was like some words exchanged. And I am trash because I very, very much provoked that fight. I don't know if I was necessarily like the first person to start like what making it a bigger deal, but definitely this girl had said something and I was like, I can't believe that you fucking just said that to her. How the fuck did you just say that to to Natalie, who's my cousin? And then Natalie's like, she just said that to me. So then Natalie goes to like charge to like fight this girl because you know we're all in our fucking like late teens and 20s and we fucking fight and my other cousin Laz had to get Natalie's way to prevent the fight and so Natalie starts punching Laz in the stomach she's fighting we're fighting family on family and I'm just right back there being like you fucking bitch look what you fucking did I did it me I I didn't break the fucking plate, okay? It was like, oh, wow, this big, like, pile of kindling has been piling up for a long time. There's a lot of tension here. All this needs is a match. Oop, she broke the plate. More kindling. I'm going to light this on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just love the chaos? I yeah, I just liked the chaos. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't have to fight anybody. I didn't. I was not the person throwing punches nor taking them. Like <laughs> those were both my cousins. I was like some fucking rich king, just like forcing people to fight for my reason. I was like so stupid. So uh, sorry. I've, I've uttered the phrase "you won't" before. <laughs> What does that mean? You won't. If somebody, like I know what it means, but I just love it. Like if somebody's like posturing and you know physically threatening a fight or something, I'm like, you won't. Oh my god! <laughs> Which is kindling to the fire. I know. I don't know why there's like such. This is just trashy, but there's just such joy into like. You know, being like, oh, hand me that spoon. I'm going to stir this up a little bit more. It's already out of control. <laughs> like, they already hated each other. So I was like, and she broke your fucking plate? How the fuck did you break a plate with a quesadilla? It was just, <laughs> anyways, sorry to everybody involved. <laughs> yeah, I apologize for anyone that was in the the wreckage of my presence in my early 20s. Truly. Yeah, I feel that way too. I just kind of like, like <laughs> that's what we're doing now. This is a this podcast is about retribution. You know, <laughs> this is therapeutic, if you will. Yes, 
Yes, we needed to say all these things so that people can go, oh, okay. When Erica and Cass refer to themselves as like kind of shitty people, like, (laughs) they've got evidence. (laughs) There's documentation. This is like (laughs) the end of Seinfeld, the last episode of Seinfeld. Have you seen it? Uh Uh-uh. So the last episode of Seinfeld ends in a, it's like a court case. And all these witnesses come back and tell about how shitty. I have seen this. You're right. Yes. Characters were, and then they end up in jail. Yeah, that's so funny. It's so. Funny. I mean, we're just getting ahead of it, you know. Speaking of getting ahead of it, let's get into our first story. Oh, absolutely. According to NewYorkPost.com, a Harvard professor says an alien visited in 2017, and more are coming. Cool. I peed myself a little when I read this story. For real? A NewYorkPost.com article made you pee yourself? I am scared that we are not the most intelligent beings in the universe. Odds are we're not, you know? But And we're definitely not alone. I'm not going to deny aliens here on this podcast. But, like, what are they coming here for? I think what do they need? Exploratory reasons. Like, why do we go down to the bottom of the ocean? We just want to know what's down there. Okay, and we don't bug anybody down there. We let those weird fucking, like, sharp teeth light fish just move around. So what's the problem? If they want to come here and look at us, then come here, look, and leave. When the first sign of intelligent life visits us from space, it won't be from a giant saucer hovering over New York City. More likely, it will be alien civilization's trash. Hmm. A.V. Loeb, chair of Harvard's Department of Astronomy, believes he's already found some of the garbage. In his upcoming book, Extraterrestrial, The First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth, out January 26th, here we go, here's the plugs, the professor lays out a compelling case for why an object that recently wandered into our solar system was not just a rock, but actually a piece of alien technology. The object in question traveled toward our solar system from the direction of Vega, a nearby star of 25 light years away, and intercepted our solar system's orbital plane on September 6, 2017. This object, by the way, looks like a petrified piece of shit. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, that's a piece of shit. I'm saying like, it looks like a piece of poop. It does have a cylindrical. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like a piece of poop, Erica. You can admit it. It looks like poop. (laughs) Okay, thank you. The object first spotted by the observatory in Hawaii containing the Panoramic Survey Telescope and Rapid Response System Pan Stars is the highest definition telescope on Earth. The space object was dubbed Oumuamua, which is Hawaiian roughly for scout. Oumuamua. That's fun to say. That's fun to say. <laughs> Oumuamua. No. We apologize uh, to our Hawaiian listeners for butchering your language. Yeah, my bad. We're doing our best. We're just little pieces of trash. As space travelers go, it was relatively small, just about 100 yards long. That's a big old piece of shit. But it was a big deal in the scientific community. For starters, it was the first interstellar object ever detected inside our solar system. Judging from the object's trajectory, astronomers concluded it was not bound by the sun's gravity, which suggested it was just traveling through. Wonder if they're like watching our planet and going, well, they're trashing that planet. Why don't we just put all our trash there because we our landfills are full? Yeah, no joke. We're just going to be a big recycling dump. Yeah. What did make what did what made you pee about this? I mean, honestly. I think it is I'm ready. Like I do believe we are not alone, but I'm also scared. <laughs> like what if we're stupid? What if they colonize we us? Mm. 
what if they do what we've been doing, the inception, and colonize, and all of a sudden we're just number 1077543 gloop block bleep, and we're just working for the aliens? I mean, that's a little catastrophizing. I mean, what if they just have really good technology, but they're a bunch of dodo heads? Thank you for calming me down and using a therapy word. <laughs> Catastrophizing. I was. I definitely Thank was. You. I've been using that word a lot lately, which is not good. <laughs> Who knows? Okay, look at it this way: if they can get to us, they might be able to get to other alien planets. And like, if there's smarter ones, why wouldn't they go there? Or if there was like stupider ones, then they'll go there if they're looking to colonize. I have a feeling that Earth is just about average when it comes to mm. you know universe like where we come in in the grades and the universe so i don't know i'm not i'm not too nervous but you know there might be a trashy trashy on another um planet saying the same thing of like oh fuck we left our giant thing of space poop in that other orbit and now they're gonna come get us because they're smarter and what if they come colonize us you know what i hadn't thought about that you're right i'm sure that there's a A parallel podcast in some other galaxy. What is it? String theory that is to say that like everything that could happen could happen or something like that. And the like one thing goes off and then it's like the butterfly effect. How many dimensions do you think that this podcast exists or should we not think about it because our minds might be blown? Did you do the thing with Siri when you asked it, when is 2021 coming before the new year? Uh Uh-uh. If you ask Siri when was 2021 coming, it would say 357 days or something. And then and then when you asked it after 2021, it was like today is January 7th. I'm just saying it's I don't get it. There could be multiple dimensions and Siri could have been stuck in an old one. <laughs> this is stuff that keeps me up at night. <laughs> no kidding. Man, we need to get Erica in the in a park or something. <laughs> I've been stuck inside my apartment for entirely too long. (laughs) No shit. Speaking of taking me out and putting me in a park. (laughs) According to Fox 35, Orlando.com, Greyhound Racing in Florida has come to an end. Oh, no. Not dog racing. But that's so cool and totally fucking chill. Oh, it's such fucking garbage. According to the TampaBayTimes.com, the very last race in the state will have happened at Palm Beach Kennel Club on New Year's Eve at 11.59 p.m. So they are pushing it right up to the edge of the 2021 deadline. The organization Awesome Greyhound Adoptions put out a call on Facebook for people to step up and foster some of the dogs until they can find permanent homes. Back in 2018, Florida voters approved an amendment that will phase out the live Greyhound races statewide by 2021. Nine Florida racing tracks have ended the practice, and two remaining tracks reportedly have about 1,200 dogs. Holy shit, that's a lot of dogs. That's a lot of dogs. Where the fuck do they have that? There's only two tracks, and between the two of them, they have 600 dogs each? I don't think all Hell 600 race at once. <laughs> Yeah, well, a doy, but like, that just makes me wonder how many horses there are. Oh my God. Uh, should should horse racing be banned as well? I don't know. Probably, right? I don't know. I feel Can differently. Can I tell you something? Yeah. So I've been on a dry January, so it's been over a week now. And um, while it is truly miserable, in my opinion, and overrated, my hair 
I, I brushed it this morning and I looked at it. It's like getting so long. And I'm like, I am silky like a horse today. <laughs> I am a, a good looking horse <laughs> this morning. So I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I wash my hair on Sunday nights and Sunday nights only. I, yes, I go about have. a week <laughs> between hair washings. And I was brushing my hair the other day. And while the top was greasy and full of dry shampoo... The mm-hmm. bottom nine, 12 inches of my hair, like a horse mane. Mm. Long and luxurious. Mm. I love that for us. <laughs> oh, what were we talking about? Oh, Greyhound Racing. Okay. <laughs> a judge rejected a challenge to the ban earlier this year. A lawsuit filed by the industry group Support Working Animals, Inc. and individual plaintiffs raised a series of issues under the U.S. Constitution, including the ballot measure known as Amendment 13, has led to the improper taking of property without adequate compensation. What does that mean? It means basically you are ruining our livelihood and taking our property, which are these animals. So, Oh, but the judge was like, fuck off. Fuck off, yeah. So you would have to Um, compensate, but the judge said, fuck off. I think that there was dog, like Greyhound Racing when I was a kid in Denver, or I'm just remembering a memory completely wrong, but... I remember getting like a a bag of uh, Susan B. Anthony's and my mom saying like, save those. Like you can use either. She either got them at a Greyhound race or she said that they could be used to pay admission at a Greyhound race or something. There was something that had to do with Greyhound racing. All I'm remembering is just a a crisp bag of Susan B. Anthony's, (laughs) which are, if you don't know what those are, because you're too young, they're like hexagonal coins with Susan B. Anthony on them. And I think they're worth about a dollar each. That's like the the precursor to the Sacagawea, which was the next dollar coin, I think. Oh, wow. I just yeah. pictured a child just flicking coins at dogs instead of knowing what to do with them properly. I definitely probably didn't do that because I loved dogs when I was growing up. Why did they only put women on coins? Yeah, let's... Let's get into that for a second. We're only on the dollar coins. They talked about for a while replacing Andrew Jackson with Harriet Tubman, but it hasn't and then happened. They start freaking out because they're like, oh my God, this bitch Hillary's going to win. We got to put Harriet Tubman on the fucking 20 or something like that. And then Trump won and they're like, yes, amazing. Jackson, you're safe, my dude. Harriet Tubman, why don't we just, um, yeah, we'll put you on the JFK dollar fifty coin. Will that make you uh, broads happy? <laughs> Those coins are rare. Broad, my favorite term for a woman. Do you know where that term comes from, broad? Where? Where? If you cut a piece of meat, a certain piece of meat in half, it looks like where the the meat intercepts, it looks like a vagina. And that's where the term broad comes from. Like a broad cut of meat looks like a a woman. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. It's heavy. That is a, that's a fucking fun story. You know what else is a fun story? According to the rap.com, Bean Dad makes his nine-year-old struggle to open can of beans for six hours, infuriates Twitter, self-absorbed asshat. In a great start to 2021, Twitter brutally took to task a father now dubbed as hashtag Bean Dad whose intended teaching moment for his nine-year-old daughter turned into a hungry girl spending six hours trying to operate a can opener and get inside a can of baked beans. 
What the fuck was he trying to do? He was trying to prepare her for the apocalypse. Oh, jeez, Louise. The phrases hashtag bean dad along with she's nine and six hours all trended on Sunday as people mocked and criticized the dad. Musician and podcaster John Roderick with some of him calling him everything from an asshole to abusive. Someday, Bean Dad is going to need her help with technology or end-of-life care, and she will have her revenge, the Blacklist founder Franklin Leonard said in a response to the viral thread. That's hilarious. In a 23-post thread, Roderick on Saturday described in great detail a scenario where he, in which he discovered that his daughter didn't know how to use a manual can opener and challenged her to figure it out on her own. This, he said, went on for six hours on and off with her eventually breaking down in tears while he worked in a jigsaw puzzle. Ew. Yeah. I said, the little device is designed to do one thing. Open cans. Study the part. Study the can. Figure out what the can opener inventor was thinking when they tried to solve the problem, Roderick wrote. I went back to my jigsaw puzzle. She was next to me grunting and groaning trying to get the thing open. I should say that spatial orientation, process visualization, and order of operation are not things she intuits. I knew this would be a challenge, but it was a rainy weekend. What the fuck? What an asshole. (laughs) He said, Uh, The story didn't stop there. Roderick went on explaining in depth the daughter's continuing struggle, including the fact that the can was largely dented and sharpened and that neither of them really liked baked beans anyway. He even said said that they wouldn't be eating anything until they managed to get the can open, equating it to an apocalypse scenario in the book The Road, where such skill would be necessary for survival. This is so fucking shitty. Give her some cheese puffs and call it a day, asshole. Or show her how to use the fucking can opener and then ask her to open one. You can't just, like, that's ridiculous. Like he said, like, spatial orientation are not the strong suits of a nine-year-old. <sighs> what a loser. Eventually, she collapsed in a heap. She said, I hate you. I'm sure she believes that she does. I said, you understand everything except how the tool addresses the can, he wrote. She fixated on orientated the tool in a few configurations and couldn't imagine other possibilities. I compared the can opener to other tools, but now we were working on anger management and perseverance too. She suggested to open the can with a hammer. There were tears. I'm going to make a a statement and I'm not going to back down from it. This guy gets off on having power over women. Ding, 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 ding. There it is. I don't think he's getting off to his daughter, but I think that he likes watching women struggle, uh, even when it comes to his kid. I don't want you to be like other girls who struggle, so I'm going to make you struggle a lot. Fucking idiot. A lot of people called the the behavior abusive on Twitter. Bean Dad behavior yeah. was beha- was abusive, wrote one Twitter user. I recognize it. Other folks who survived childhood abuse recognize it. You know what else is child abuse? What? The next story. Oh, the next story from thecut.com. It is. Sorry if I just leaped over there, but I got excited about it because the, the transition felt so good. Mm-hmm. Inside the narcissistic fashion influencer's bitter feud over both naming their babies Baby and the rest of the world's hilarious reaction. New York-based fashion influencer Sasha Binns named her daughter B-A-Y-B-I Baby Blue in March 2018. 
In November 2020, her friend, Australian model Jessica Hart, named her new daughter Baby, spelled B-A-B-Y. Sasha was reportedly devastated that Jessica copied her unique name and the pair stopped talking to each other. Twitter and Instagram users have mocked the ridiculous drama as well as the unfortunate baby names. <laughs> Sasha is a New York-based influencer who owns Wild Blue and Wild Black in Montauk. She is also the creative director of Montauk Celebrity Hotspot, Surf Lodge, and runs a blog, All My Friends Are Models. Uh, Australian model Jessica Hart is married to a NASCAR driver. Oh, sorry. Her, is fi- fianced, engaged to a NASCAR driver, James Kirkham. Fianced. Fianced. I know that that's not the right word, but I kind of like it, you know? Oh, I love the way it sounds. It sounds like it should be used in Bridgerton. Fianced. I gotta, I gotta fucking start that. I'm gonna start that today. It's it's horny in all the right ways. Mm, I like a show that's horny. Mm-hmm. This is a... Uh, what would you do if your song was at home? Sorry. What would you do if someone stole your baby name? Someone close to you? I mean, how close could they really be? Two, two influencers from opposite coast. That's a That's a good question. You know, is it one of those things where it's like you see someone that you like met at a UCB show a couple times and you're like, oh, that's my friend on TV, you know, or are they actually friends? Are they actually, actually friends? I feel like the second baby, B-A-B-Y, is kind of, I think it's kind of shitty. Yeah. I I mean, I'm wondering, like, when did, did the NASCAR driver go, hey, Jess, are we sure we want to name it Baby? Isn't your best friend Sasha's name, kid's name, Baby Blue? Oh, but she spells it B-A-Y-B-I. Oh, you're right. Okay, great. Hi, baby. Hi, baby. I, I get baby as like a middle name or a nickname, but as a- Erica Baby Curry. Erica Baby Girl Curry. <laughs> that is your real middle name, isn't it? It is. On my birth certificate. E B. G-C. Those are your initials. Jessica told People Magazine, I first heard the name in the movie Dirty Dancing and always thought I'd love to name my daughter Baby. Oh, maybe Jennifer was like to Sasha. She was like, did you ever see Dirty Dancing? It would be cool to have a baby named Baby. And then all of a sudden, you know, the the other girl's like, "Uh uh-huh, and makes a mental note. And then like maybe maybe Sasha stole it from Jessica and Jessica's like, I'm not going to fucking, I don't care. Right. I've been dreaming of a baby, a baby baby, my whole life. Well, they have forgiven each other. That's the news. Sasha says, of course, Jess and I are still friends. We chatted it out a few weeks back, and I am happy she has a name she loves for her beautiful girl. This is her moment, and I want her to enjoy this beautiful part of becoming a mother. Wow. How, what a, how big, how big of them? I mean, this was probably the biggest news story of the week. I can't believe this wasn't the dumpster fire. I know, I know, but we just had to go with other stuff. Did anything happen this week that could have been better than two influencers naming their daughters Baby? I don't know about better. <laughs> anything come to mind? Hmm, maybe the next story um, from NPR. Oh. A costume may have contributed to an outbreak at a California hospital infecting 44 people. A hospital worker donned an inflatable air-powered costume to spread cheer in California Emergency Department on Christmas Day. <laughs> I know this isn't funny, but like, 
It's whatever. But now dozens of hospital staff members have tested positive for the coronavirus and the costume may have been to blame. In my mind, it's one of those inflatable T-Rex costumes. Uh huh. And that's what makes it funny to me. <laughs> In my mind, it's just like a, an inflatable ball with like fans, like just blowing COVID out just- everywhere. <laughs> Like a mister. It was like all misting of COVID. The hospital official said 44 members tested positive between December 27th and January 3rd in the emergency department at a Kaiser Permanente San Jose Medical Center. Any exposure, if occurred, would have been completely innocent and quite accidental, as the individual said no, they had no COVID symptoms and only sought to lift spirits of those around them in what is a very stressful time. If anything, this should serve as a very real reminder that the virus is widespread and often without symptoms, and we all must be vigilant. Man, this is crazy. What a shitty thing. I'm hopefully everyone's visualizing one of those inflatable costumes that has an internal fan filling it with air like a balloon. Yeah. Like, it... Imagine, you know, like you were like, oh, I really did this great thing. I like, you know, I rolled around in a Santa costume in the fucking ball. Everyone was really happy. They thought it was funny. You know, like I fell, I fell a couple times. I farted once. Everyone was like, oh my God, it's so funny. And then like you find out like, hey, um, I hate to tell you this, but uh, you know, we all hung out last week in the backyard. Turns out I have COVID. So I don't know. Tell all your friends. And then that guy's like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I've been exposed and I ran around in the balloon. No. I just wanted to bring the short T-Rex with arms to joy to all the patients in the hospital ward. That <laughs> What a shit show. I'm sure it was a Christmas related costume as it has not yet been identified what the exact costume looked like. But again, in my mind, it's an inflatable T-Rex and it makes me happy. You can always put a Santa hat on a T-Rex. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to get into the next one because it comes from a very special place. According to consequencesofsound.net, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian are to divorce. Oh my gosh, that's your favorite website with such bad news. Honestly, Cass, I need a, can we have a moment of silence that this wedding of seven years actually lasted? Oh, you want to have a moment of silence that they made it seven years? Can we have a moment of silence out of respect for the sanctity of marriage? Absolutely. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Oh, well, that was a second. (laughs) No editing there. She really just didn't do it. Okay. Kanye West and Kim Kardashian are reportedly ending their marriage of seven years, according to page six. According to page six, the divorce between the celebrity couple is imminent as... Kardashian has reportedly hired divorce attorney Laura Wasser to engage in settlement talks. West first hinted at a riff over the summer when he bizarrely tweeted about divorcing Kardashian in the wake of a meeting that she had with Meek Mill. Said, I've been trying to get divorced since Kim met with Meek at the Waldorf for prison reform, he tweeted. This doesn't even seem like a hint. Seems like he fucking said it. (laughs) A hint is I'm going to go and stay at my other house by myself for a couple weeks. <laughs> I'm going to fly in for the uh, the Christmas celebration for one day. Yeah, he literally just, he said, I'm, I'm trying to get divorced. Wes also accused Kardashian of attempting to get him involuntarily committed to a mental health facility. I mean, 
Yeah, she was trying to do that because he was he was going a little bananas when he was running for president. And that's a really, really insensitive way for me to describe that. But it is the best way that I can do it in the amount of time I have. In response to the tweet, Kardashian said Kanye was in the middle of a bipolar episode and asked that the media and public give us the compassion and empathy that is needed so that we can get through this. There was a lot of uh, memes on Instagram this week of Chris... Jenner trying to like reacting to the fact that Kim and Kanye's divorce wasn't the biggest story of the week. I can't remember what the biggest story was. Do you? Oh, the biggest story of the week? Uh, This one's the one that's taking the cake for me right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I wonder why the internet kept making those memes about like Chris Jenner being upset that um, Kim and Kanye weren't um, that important. Oh, well, moving on. <laughs> this is a developing story. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> TheGuardian.com brings us our next story. John Dillermand has an extraordinary penis. So extraordinary, in fact, that it can perform rescue operations such as etch murals, hoist hoist a flag, and even steal ice cream from children. Hey, did I read that wrong or are those rescue operations? I think I read that wrong. No, it can perform rescue operations. I made it sound like rescue operations, <laughs> such as etch murals, hoist a flag, and steal. I that was my bad. I'm sorry to all the listeners for leading you on. I'm you know not one for reading comprehension. The Danish equivalent of the BBC, the DR, has a new animated series aimed at four to eight year olds about John Dillerman, the man with the world's largest, pardon me, with the longest penis, who overcomes hardships and challenges with his record breaking genitals. Unsurprisingly, the series has provoked debate about what good children's television should and should not contain. (laughs) (laughs) Since premiering on Saturday, opponents have condemned the idea of a man who cannot control his penis. Is this really the message we want to send to our children while we were in the middle of a huge Me Too wave? Wrote Danish author... Anne Lies Marjorie Gorgensen. The show comes just months after the TV presenter Sophie Lind kickstarted Denmark's Me Too movement. So he can't control his penis, or does his penis overcome hardships and challenges? So this is what's confusing to me. Like, because those are different things, I would assume. I think it 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 he can't control it, but when he does control it, it helps and overcomes challenges and hardships. I don't know. I haven't seen the cartoon yet. Christian Groers, an associate professor and gender researcher at Rodskill University, said he believed the program's celebration of the power of male genitalia could only set back equality. (laughs) Oh, God. It's perpetuating the standard idea of a patriarchal society and normalizing locker room culture that's been used to excuse a lot of bad behavior from men. It's meant to be funny, so it's seen as harmless, but it's not. We're teaching this to our kids. Erla Heisen-Gorgstad. Man, these fucking Danish names. I mean, they got letters that we don't have. We are doing your best. We're doing our best to our Danish listeners. Thank you. A clinical psychologist who works with families and children said she believes the show's opponents may be overthinking things. John Dillerman talks to children and shares the way of thinking. And kids do find genitals funny, she said. The show depicts a man who is impulsive and not always in control, who makes mistakes like kids do, and men. But crucially, Dillerman always makes it right. 
He takes responsibility for his actions. When a woman or when a woman in the show tells him that he should keep his penis in his pants, for instance, he listens, which is nice. He's accountable. Who's this clinical psychologist? Hosted conceded the timing was poor and the show that a show about bodies might have considered depicting difference in diversity beyond an oversized Diller, the Danish slang for penis. So Diller man literally means penis man. Oh my God. But this is categorically not a show about sex, she said. To pretend like it is projects adult ideas onto it. Ugh. And John Dillerman is a grown man whose penis is running around. How, <laughs> how do you not? How do you not? Keep it in your pants. I'm, I'm looking at a picture right now, and it's it looks like John Dillerman and a friend are using his big old dick as a jump rope. For a for a barbecue, it, the the dig is that long. The penis, yeah. excuse me. This is this is <laughs> what's up, Denmark. Denmark, this she's is not coming back, man. <laughs> she's not coming back. <laughs> you can make the show, the claymation show about this guy with the big dick, but Susie's not coming back, man. <laughs> Now, I can see this being on, like, Adult Swim, like a cartoon aimed at adults in the U.S., but this is specifically aimed at four- to eight-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. DR responded to the latest criticism, saying that it could have just as easily made a program about a woman with no control over her vagina, and that most important thing was that children enjoyed John Dillerman. But you didn't. Uh, you made it. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't make um show about a vagina you made it about an overly sized penis also bet that that fucking vagina that couldn't be controlled wouldn't have teeth yeah right we've seen it <laughs> well i thought i'd seen it all but according to our next story from the dailymail.co.uk a landlord and her husband pitched a tent in the backyard of their tenant's home on christmas day and started living there terrifying the children the family's children who have no idea who the strange couple are. That was a very charming transition, by the way. Kind of felt like I was on a newscast, which I guess this is a news podcast, but you really just kind of, you brought me there. You brought me there in a nice way. Well, then I thought I'd seen it all. God, that was good. Fuck, Erica. Fucking, just like knocking out of the park, just crack of the bat. I always I not being, wanted to be a journalist. What? I always wanted to be a journalist. You are one now, girl. <laughs> Although everything we say is a legend. Yes. <laughs> this is brought to you from <laughs> allegedlynews.com. Uh, uh, the landlord pitched a teepee in the backyard of her tenant's home over Christmas. The couple and their children were stunned by their landlord's arrival midway through the lease. Landlord's husband already got in a heated confrontation with the tenants. Uh, move that friggin' car now. You are in big shit, he could be saying in the video. And then he said that uh, or that it's within the lease agreement, you know, that she should be allowed to pitch a tent there. All right, let me take this Australian accent. Please do. Move that friggin' car and you... Nope. I messed it up. Wow, that you took us up to Scotland. I took us up to Scotland. Take us back down under. Take it. Take us back down under. I believe in you. Move that freaking car. Nope. Wow, we're going. <laughs> what What are we doing up in Europe? Take Take us down under. Move that freaking car. Now you see. Nope. 
Girl, I'm in normal people right now. Take us to Australia. <laughs> you wanted to fucking do it. Do it. It's a mental block. I can't. <laughs> yes. I practiced before we started recording. I practiced this phrase in an Australian accent. And I now can't I can't do it. I've never seen that before. <laughs> Why someone just discussed three times in a row? Down under. Down, down under. <laughs> Move that freaking car now. You're a big shit. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, I know. No, you'd go. No, I think the moment has passed. <laughs> Fuck. That was fucking incredible. You did so good. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I don't think I could do Scottish for what it's worth. <laughs> I don't know why I jumped there, but there we are. That was fucking crazy. Oh, I love that. We should win whatever podcast award there is for that right there. (laughs) Thank you so much to our listeners in Australia for your patience. (laughs) (laughs) And enjoy the Blarney Stone. Uh, Nikki and William and their three young children have been living in a rented home in Yaba on the New South Wales North Coast for two months when their landlord... Pascal Hubert suddenly informed them that she would be moving onto the property. Dear Nikki. Oh, wait. I guess we can. Okay. Australia? Mm-hmm. Dear. Well. Yeah. Dear Nikki and William, I am the owner. As of tonight, I will be occupying the rear yard. That's uh, not great, but it's not Scottish. It's not Scottish. That's what's important. Miss Hubert says uh, she is justified in taking over the backyard of the block as the tenants do not have access to the backyard under their $560 a week lease agreement. The rental contract includes the phrase rear yard is not included. Nikki said the police have told them they are powerless to force the landlords off the property. It's day 11 of them living in the backyard. Oh, wow. I'm not even going to fucking try it. Australia is hard once um, you really get up, you know, in your head about it. <laughs> It's day 11 of them living in the backyard. It's completely bizarre to everyone we tell. Police and real estate don't know what to do. Our children are terrified and they keep asking, who are they? And we can't give them answers. But tenant advocates argue the landlord is trespassing by using the side of the house to go to the backyard. It could be said that the landlord is trespassing whenever they go across the driveway area because they are entering into a place that they've been given someone else's possession. Tenant union of... New South Wales CEO Leo Patterson Ross said. Huh. I mean, what would you do? I would freaking break the lease and get the fuck out of there. That's just creepy. That, yeah, that seems like a good a good choice because you're gonna if you get the landlord out of the yard, they're still your fucking landlord. Yeah, it's not gonna be a good relationship moving forward. Yeah. You gotta get good vibes from a landlord. You really do. I had a landlord in one of my previous uh, living situations who on multiple occasions called me a sexy girl and swatted at my thigh one time when I was wearing a robe. And I said, okay, and I won't name them, but they were very difficult to communicate with. And I was like the landlord whisperer. I was the only one that could really get through to them. And so when they caught me off guard and told me I was a, quote, sexy girl in my robe while I was standing on a chair, it threw me for a loop. Wait, this is fucked up. 
But wait, you were in a robe on a chair? Yeah, I was showing them something like on the roof, like of the house, uh-huh. a light fixture. Uh-huh. And so I was in a robe because I didn't know they were coming over because they also did that. They would just come over unannounced, which is illegal. And so I was in a robe and I went up to take care of it and they swatted at my thigh and called me a sexy girl. Uh, I mean, they're not wrong, but uh, that's <laughs> bad. I've never had horrible, horrible landlords, like knock on wood. But my last one was definitely a character because when I was calling about the place, I was like, hey, can I come see it, you know, today or tomorrow? And uh, she was like, yeah, I'll come let you in today. And I was like, I mean, only if you want to, damn. (laughs) But she ended up being a pretty good landlord. Our next story is sent in to us by a listener, Victoria Jacobson. Thank you so much, Victoria. Thank you. Yay. So Florida... Wants to clear pythons for human consumption. (laughs) Eating of big old snakes depend on mercury levels, though. The predator might soon become prey if Florida scientists can confirm that Burmese pythons, an extremely invasive species to the Everglades, are safe for humans to eat. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is collaborating with the Florida Department of Health to investigate the mercury levels in pythons. If the levels are found to be safe, the snakes could end up on restaurant menus and dinner tables across the state. Pythons are non-venomous constrictors that pose a serious risk to the native wildlife in South Florida. The snake is not native to the state and it started beginning appearing in the Everglades in the 1980s when it was likely introduced as an escaped or released pet. Okay, so one pet gets out and one pet can't procreate. So that means multiple pets were released and or escaped. I mean, unless it's like the parrots in Burbank. Did they come from one parrot? Well, I don't know exactly how it happened, but like, you know, there's native parrots to Burbank because of the amount of released parrots. Like, they they breed with other birds. Ah. It's like parrot pigeons and shit, like all over Burbank, and they're little crossbirds. So, I mean, you know, it only takes one to procreate with, like, how do snakes have sex? Huh. Huh. I don't know. I imagine one snake eats the other snake's tail and they form like a Urubura 69. Humans. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. That can't be right. Nope. Uh, oh, well. Oh, well. This isn't where you come to get the news. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, certainly not science facts. Yeah, I uh, I think it only takes one, and then you just breed with another snake, and then all of a sudden we got a bunch of these pythons everywhere. Well, the State Wildlife Agency encourages residents to remove and humanely kill pythons when they can at any time of during the year, and to report any sightings to officials. So look, here's how I feel about this. I think it's fine. Yeah, I'm all for like, it. Yeah. Uh, that's that seems like the best use for them if they're a nuisance to the wildlife then yeah fucking let's eat them have you ever had snake i'm sure i have because like i've i'm the kind of person where when i go to like restaurants like that like animal or like worst coochin like places like that or like if yeah if there's an option for like something funky like i might i might do it because mm-hmm. um I don't know. I mean, sorry to all our vegan listeners. Like, I love you and you've got great food also, but I'm only alive once, baby. I got to eat it all. I've had rattlesnake before. Nice. It was... What's... 
yeah, I can't remember what it tastes like. It all tastes like meat to me. That's the only thing. It was meaty. It just it, like alligator is very chewy and very chicken like. Uh huh. I I can't remember the sensation I had when eating snake. I was very young at a rattlesnake festival. I talked about that barbecue show last week, and there is an episode where they're like, like their challenge is to cook like some backwoods ass shit. Like they get assigned like backwoods meats, so like gators and snakes and squirrels and possum, like all that kind of meat. <laughs> it's fucking intense. Ooh, yum. The objective of the study is to re- is to determine how much mercury is inside of these Burmese pythons. Mercury is a naturally occurring element in the environment and it is high in the Everglades, Mike Kirkland, the Python Elimination Programmer Manager, said to CNN. Mercury bioaccumulates in the environment and when you find high levels of mercury at the top of the food chain where the pythons have unfortunately positioned themselves. We expect the results are going to discourage the public from consuming pythons, but if we can determine that they are safe to eat, that would be very helpful to control their population. When pythons are safe to eat, they can actually be quite delicious, says Donna Kelly, one of the program python hunters. Relax, Donna, you weirdo. When she catches smaller ones, about seven feet long, she uses a mercury testing kit she bought online to confirm they're safe to eat. (laughs) And then she just uses it in chili or stir fry. She likes turning snakes into jerky. Can be really good when you cook it right, says Donna. This is a wonderful way to get more people involved with us, helping remove pythons from the environment. It would be a good thing for people to hunt and eat them, but we need to make sure they're safe first. There's literally 2 to 3% of rabbits and raccoons and possums left. So when I see a rabbit, I'm jumping for joy now because there just aren't any more because of the pot, the pythons. Yeah, and I didn't realize that Florida had such a python problem. Uh, it does not shock me one bit. But you know what? They start eating the pythons and then they control the population of pythons. And then all of a sudden they're going to start farming pythons because they're like, fuck, how am I going to serve my python po' boy if I don't have pythons? So, you know. It's a it's a snake eating its own tail, if you will. It exactly. It's exactly what you said. The what did you say? Like a borealis sixty nine or something like that. Ouroboros sixty nine. <laughs> What's a borealis? That's like a configuration in the stars. Oh, all right. Well, right. again, I'm again, an idiot. This so. is not where you come for your news or your facts. <laughs> yeah, I don't quite know what you come for. Oh, perhaps they come for. Well, hold on. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Maybe you come for the dumpster fire of the week. (laughs) According to Rollingstone.com, a New Year's Eve gay cruise sank in Puerto Vallarta and gay Instagram is exploding. An anonymous Instagram account exposing gay men for partying during a pandemic raises questions about class, race, and privilege. When the world rang in 2021, we thought we would be leaving much of the malaise of the previous pandemic year behind. But alas, there is no vaccine for one of our favorite pursuits, the good old-fashioned social media shaming, which has been rampant thanks to anonymous Instagram account and party crew sinking that went down on New Year's Eve weekend. Many on Instagram who follow popular models and influencers on the circuit party scene were surprised to see photos and videos being posted of a New Year's Eve circuit party in Puerto Vallarta, Jalisco, Mexico. What's a circuit party? Uh, it's like, <laughs> I know it when I see it, but I don't know how to describe one. Basically, it's where people come to, like gay men primarily come to dance. And it's like a rave, but specifically for like that category. 
All right. The party, organized by gay circuit scene impresario Jeffrey Sanker, no pun intended on that last name, received massive criticism on social media where many pointed out that hospital ICU beds in Jalisco were at 100% capacity and that due to the pandemic raging in that area, local officials were capping event attendance at eight people. In fact, in later regulation is what ultimately prompted Sanker to move least one of the parties associated with the event to the neighboring state of Nayarit, which is a much less lax, which has much more lax restrictions, according to the reporting from the Los Angeles Blade. The best party with the hottest sex will be held in an estate in Puerto Vallarta, and I'm going. I don't have COVID. Like, I can't infect someone with something I don't have, said one anonymous partygoer told the Blade. If I get it, I'll let you know, but who cares? I'm 23 and a girl's got to live. That is not a good way to do anything. So this Instagram account that everyone saw the anonymously backed one is at gaze over COVID, which they've been doing aggressive sleuthing work and posting photos of gay parties during the pandemic, as well as personal information of many of the attendees. In one post, gays over COVID outed a healthcare worker who received the COVID-19 vaccine and then traveled to Puerto Vallarta for the party. White privilege at its absolute finest. Privileged enough to be vaccinated two days ago, now this medical professional is on the beach in Puerto Vallarta without a care in the world. Meanwhile, the CDC begs people to stay home and not travel. (sighs) Okay, so we have a question here. Yes. Which is, is this kind of call out thing chill? Here's, if it's a public Instagram, like you might as well think about it as being on the six o'clock news. Like everything you sure. do on social media, if you don't have a locked account, to me, that's the media side of it. It is open to the public. You have purposely chose to share with the world. So when somebody just reposts what you've already shared, I don't understand the, I do understand the backlash, but I don't necessarily agree with it. So I looked at the Gaze Over COVID Instagram account and they're taking photos and videos from social media. So like the the first offense of these people who are getting called out is that they're they are being tagged in photos where it's them and 20 other people on Instagram or on Facebook or something like that. So you did it. You allowed yourself to be photographed because mm-hmm. I'm not talking like a candid photo. I'm talking like 20 people have posed for a photo. Right. So you 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 did it. And then you got tagged in it, didn't remove the tag immediately. So it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, you do. You put yourself out there. And is it kind of shitty then that, you know, this Instagram is being like, hey, by the way, like this person is a nurse or this person is this or whatever. Like, yeah, it's getting a little like cancel culture I guess, at that point. But also don't go to a party with a bunch of fucking people. Like you kind of deserve some sort of punishment, don't you think? Well, my problem with the Instagram account is that that's not fun. So like one of my favorite Instagram accounts is LA Basics, which is uh-huh. Ken dolls, but with like making fun of like the uber tan lifestyle gay image. And they uh-huh. do it with like Ken dolls and it's very funny. And like Gaze Over COVID doesn't have like a comedic slant. It's literally just the captions are are blatant. You know, I will never understand the lack of empathy. Like they, it's not, there's not like a funny twist to it. It's just straight facts. For sure. There is also like, I, I hear you. Like it can be seen a little hateful. I mean, and I think everyone is kind of assuming that 
person who runs Gays Over COVID is also gay. Mm-hmm. But there's you're you're taking a community that's already been under a lot of a, oppression and and fire before, and kind of working to expose them for X, Y, and Z. Because there's there's a James. Greg, a writer who parsed out the controversy, or this is what we're talking about, for Huck Magazine, he says, does not necessarily agree with the tactics utilized by gays over COVID, objecting in particular to previous posts on the account lauding the police for shutting circuit parties down. I'm not sure that shaming individuals is an effective way of influencing behavior in public health crisis. I think people are more likely to get defensive and double down. Straight people are breaking lockdown to go on holiday all the time. And I don't see this as meaningfully different. One of the, there's been outrage by members in and out of the community, but on circuitpitch.com, they're offering a $500 bounty for anyone able to reveal the identity of the person behind the account gaze over COVID. Wow. For so long, they have been hiding behind the screen, trying to out fellow gays making our community as divisive as ever the post read if they believe what they're doing is right why be a coward and let us know who they really are the post was concluded with the hashtag gays over karen a reference to the trope of entitled white women bullying members of marginalized communities yeah i mean because that's the other part of it the other element that they're doing is like they're they're just featuring like you're they're perpetuating the stereotype and being coming out against the stereotype of like also like gay men who are like really like you know, have like really ripped abs and like really good looking guys and like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and they're expressing that as being a, they're trying to expose privilege and it's, ugh, it's dicey. It's dicey for sure. Cause these people shouldn't be partying at the end of the day. Like these, right. you know, the people who are getting caught on this, like you shouldn't be going to fucking circuit parties, but I kind of agree. That's like, okay, well, if you're, if this is what you're going to do, like, don't be anonymous. Because you could be a, you know, a gay guy who with who's pissed off at how your community's acting Mm -hmm. with COVID. But you could also be like some weird, like, you know, QAnon Trumpy person who's getting off on like exposing gay people for how bad they must be. Right. No, that's, you know, I agree. At the time of press... The account had over 88,000 followers. How many does it have now? Let's see. 123,000. So, and it's public. I don't know, man. I think this is a member of the community because that's why they care. Like, that's what the itch is so much. Like, in my opinion, it probably is a member of the community. But there are straight people. There are other people that are breaking protocols and lockdowns. And they should also be shamed in some way. I'm... Again, if you put it on social media and you're public, you might as well be putting it on the six o'clock news. Right. And you know, and you, but you don't see Instagrams called churches over COVID or, you know, like college parties over COVID. Like there's a lot of people breaking the rules. It's dicey. <laughs> it's dicey. It's spicy. It's dicey. It's our dumpster fire of the week. Are you hoarding anything? Why? Yes, I am. I am hoarding an Instagram account Mm. called Siblings or Dating. (laughs) What? This Instagram account takes two people and it asks the questions, are they siblings or are they dating? And it has 550,000 followers and it only follows two people, which is Tinder and Ancestry.com. Wait, what's what's the tag? At siblings or dating or 
at siblings or dating. Okay. And it's a blue check mark account and it takes pictures of people that, oh man, are they siblings or are they dating? And it, it, oh my God. It's with people's permission. So you can submit yourself in your own relationship or get permission. And then. It poses the the it puts up a poll and then it reveals at the end like if they're siblings or if they are dating and it is very entertaining. I mean, it looks like most of them are dating, but they look alike. I'm not seeing and that's a lot of weird. Yeah, yeah. Wow. This is um this is pretty incredible. Some of the you sent me one and they really really looked alike i'm looking for like one set of siblings i can't find any it's probably because like everyone's like i don't want to fucking like show a picture of oh the one that i was like which one is the most cozy is like this lady with her leg up on a guy and that's the fucking pair of siblings i found come on oh i see it i see it oh wow oh wow well this is a fun thing to hang on to yeah, it's a fun account to doom scroll to. Yeah, I mean, uh, w- w- there's nothing better to do, you know. Are you hoarding anything this week? I am. It's the last. It's like so late. I'm so late to this. I'm so apologies to everyone who's like, yeah, bitch. It's been out forever. I'm watching the Last Dance, <laughs> which is the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix. Uh-huh. And I'm just, I'm really, it's, I don't care about basketball so much, but it is just nice to see someone who's like, just like obsessed with winning and just refuses to not be the best. Like I, I it's kind of inspiring in a fucked up way. And also like, turns out like late nineties, Phil Jackson, like <laughs> let me sit on your fucking face. <laughs> I don't know why. Not even late Jack. Pretty much just the more I watch it, I'm like, no, I can't think of one era of Phil Jackson where I'm not super attracted to him. Get it? Even current day, which is not as hot, but like he like some he looks like a a mixture of like Colonel Sanders and like and like like Matt Parker, like the guy who created South Park. (laughs) Isn't no? Sorry, Matt Stone. Matt Stone. Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah, so Matt Stone and Colonel Sanders, and then make him six foot eight and like, you know, a really, really inspiring to basketball players and like a yogi. And I, <laughs> for some reason, man, ding, ding, trip, 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 you know, <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, you know, come for the Phil Jackson and the, all the sex appeal and then stay for the nice story of the the night the 1998 bulls chicago bulls (laughs) it's good i'm liking it yeah i like have you gotten to the part where he's like trash talking his own players in practice no no that's what everybody was talking about though so i can't wait till i get yeah it's my favorite part he's like you got cats at home you better go check on them like yeah (laughs) i i got five episodes in it's a 10 episode series i'm like i i'm shocked that there's possibly more but you know in classic netflix faction they will you know you got three hours of content we'll turn it into 10 we'll drag it out drag it out are you throwing anything away Mm, i think i'm gonna throw away white supremacists storming the u.s capitol trying to you know do a coup or whatever they uh whatever their big plan was yeah i think i'd like to throw that out what about you oh i was gonna say offer up and poshmark and (laughs) why 
I'm trying to sell some clothing items and I find them to be infuriating. It's the most annoying apps. Like I get notifications for things I don't care about. All I want to know is like when somebody contacts me to buy something and it, it doesn't, and it's just so annoying. And I am. I think you can fix that in your settings, girl. I refuse to do that. Okay. I refuse to go into settings. All right. So yeah. So we're throwing out white supremacists Mm -hmm. storming the Capitol and offer up in Poshmark. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Two equal things. Yeah. No, I mean, equally infuriating. We'll have to talk about that off air because I I got, I I still need to sell my wedding dress. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the fuck to do with that thing, you know? That's fair. I didn't wear it. You didn't wear it. Anyway, still white. Where can the people find you, Cass? At Cass Cardenas on Twitter and Instagram and every Tuesday night on the Smodcast Network, uh, on the Nooner Podcast. Wow, I forgot. I've only been doing it for like fucking a thousand years. Where do they find you? At Iconic Erica Curry. And I am on the latest episode of Blockbusting. So give that a listen. It's a fun podcast. And what's it about? What's Blockbusting about? Oh, yeah. So it's a podcast about they take a movie and you have to tell the host why you hate it. What did you talk about? The movie Funny People. Okay, cool. Okay. So go to Erica's episode of Blockbusting if you want to know why Erica fucking hates funny people. Cool. Yep. And you can find this podcast at Trashy Trashy Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can email us at Trashy Trashy Podcast at gmail.com. And we just want to say thank you so much. We have 70 reviews in the iTunes. (sighs) And... That's because of you telling a friend. That's because of you sharing the word. And we appreciate it so much. Yes. Thank you so much. We, what are we trying to do? We're trying to get to 75 by January, right? Yes. By the end of January. 75 by the end of January. Can we do it? I think we can do it. And you know what? If, if you're on there and you see that we're already at 75, ooh, baby, baby, be 76. Absolutely. We only grow because of listeners like you. Hey, Cass. What's going on, girl? Stay garbage. You stay garbage, girl. Oh, I will. Bye-bye. Bye.